Welcome to the Beacon broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com, beaconbaptist.com. The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. Well, as we have entered into the opening verses of 1 Thessalonians, we have observed that Paul follows the customary format for epistles in his day, starting with a salutation, which identifies the author and the recipients and gives a word of greeting. You'll find all of that here. And then he follows that with a fairly extensive expression of thanksgiving, which could have been included in a an epistle, a secular epistle of that day, but not necessarily so. But that is certainly included in Paul's letter to them. When included in a in a in a, a non-Christian epistle, I think that's the best way to put it, rather than secular, because when Written in a non-Christian epistle, the giving of thanks would be to pagan deities, whatever gods were worshipped in that particular area. And it would generally be very short and general, very perfunctory, almost just a, a courtesy more than a heartfelt thanks. But Paul fills his thanksgiving with solid Christian content. When he says, "We give thanks to God for, for uh, rather, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father." That is not a perfunctory, throwaway type of giving of thanks. We just say it because it's expected, rather than because this is really how we feel. But Paul is clearly expressing heartfelt thanks for the believers in Thessalonica, who apparently constituted what we would call a model church. Paul doesn't have much to say to them by way of correction, as he does in several of his other epistles, but he has a lot to say to them by way of commendation. And so we'll continue that on this Friday, February 23. Grateful for your presence with us today and thankful for those who are mindful of our financial needs and are willing to consider helping us with the cost of the broadcast. And so, a rather than calling this a customary giving of thanks, because it really exceeds the customary one by a long shot, we might call it a customized giving of thanks, different from what would be found in the non-Christian epistles of that day. It is customized because it is directed to the Christian God. It is a customized giving of thanks because it is communicated in prayer, making mention of you in our prayers. 
You catch that in verse 2, we give thanks to God for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. In other words, Paul was not thanking them, he was thanking God for them, and that's a big difference, isn't it? Now, he wants to tell them that that's what he's done. He wants them to know that he is thankful for them, but his prayer is directed to God. We pray to God, making mention of you in our prayers. And so, Paul communicated his prayer to them, which had the effect of letting them know that he was thankful for them, but it was thanksgiving to God in prayer. And notice several things about this prayer. It was, we might call it, group prayer. Why? Well, he says, we give thanks to God always for you. Not I give thanks, though Paul certainly did, but we do. This seems to suggest that the whole missionary team had seasons of prayer. Paul, Silas, Timothy, they're all named in the salutation. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul was together with these two men, probably in the city of Corinth, when he's writing this epistle to the church at Thessalonica. And this seems to indicate that they had regular times, probably sometime every day, when they got together to pray. And one of the things they prayed for was the Thessalonian church. And one of the things they, in, they included in their prayers for the Thessalonian church was thanksgiving to God for them. It was group prayer. Second, we note that it was regular prayer. We give thanks always, verse 2, and without ceasing, verse 3. Sounds like they prayed on a regular basis, a daily basis for the Thessalonian believers. It was clearly a regular pattern. And we could also say that Paul Christianized the customary thanksgiving in a non-Christian epistle. As I've said, it would be a short statement of thanks to the pagan deities, but Paul Christianized the customary thanksgiving. It was not to pagan deities. It was not sort of a general nebulous sort of reference to thanksgiving where you couldn't tell who it was given to. But he makes it very clear here. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father. I mean, in that short statement about his giving thanks, he mentions God three or four times, makes it very clear who this prayer is going to. It is going to God. It is going to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is going to our God and Father. I, I don't know if I'd call that one mention or two. But anyway, you look at it, Paul is taking the customary thanksgiving that would be expected in an epistle and would not attract too much attention because it's just one of those things that are done so so uh, customarily that, that, are, that they are generally done thoughtlessly, but not in Paul's case. He fills it with Christian content. He directs it to the Christian God. It is clearly an expression of the thanksgiving of his heart and of those of Silas and Timothy as well. And so, Paul is communicating sound doctrine and sound Christian life, the, the life of Christians one to another, 
in this opening of the epistle. And what he is thankful about for them more than anything else is the evidence of true spiritual life within them. What are we most inclined to give thanks for? When we give thanks for our family, when we give thanks for others, what comes to our mind? I I thank God that he has kept you safe. I thank God that he has kept you in good health. I thank God that he has provided your financial needs. Those are the things that normally seem to come to the fore in our giving of thanks, and those are not wrong. They are not trivial. We do give God thanks for all those things, and we recognize that all of those things are a blessing from God, for which we owe him gratitude. But what should enlist our greatest thanksgiving? The evidence of spiritual life. And that's what Paul focuses on in his thanksgiving. We give thanks to God always for you all. Someone said that Paul must have been a southerner because you find this expression, you all, quite frequently in Paul's epistles. We give thanks to God for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing what? Your work of faith, your labor of love, your patience of hope, in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father. So Paul mentions specifically what I would call three manifestations of God's grace in their life. Your work of faith, your labor of love, your steadfastness of hope. Which, if you think about it, is encompassing the trio of Christian virtues that are well known and that Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians 13, when he closes that great chapter on love, and he says, now abides these three, faith and hope, but the greatest of these, the faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And those are the same virtues that Paul is thanking God for, that he sees and hears testimony regarding the members of the Thessalonican church. These are people who evidence true faith in God, true faith in God's Word. These are people, these are Christians, who manifest the love of God that has been shed abroad in their hearts, and they demonstrate that love to others. There's a strong bond of love between the members of the the Thessalonican church, as there ought to be in all local churches, a very clear manifestation of love. And undoubtedly, there was manifestation of love to those outside the church that they were praying for, that they would come to a knowledge of Christ and were witnessing to, that they would come to a saving knowledge of Christ. And their love for others was so evident that people commented on it. They expressed their thanksgiving for what they realized was a reality created by God in the hearts of these people. It hasn't been that long ago that my wife and I were talking about somebody in our church that had had a need, and I don't remember exactly what it was now. It was was either a health situation or a bereavement or both. And she commented that all she had to do was make one phone call and 
immediately numbers of people in the church sprang into action and formed a list, formed a uh, schedule of taking meals to that home. And she said, yeah, that's that's just that's just the way our church does. I don't have to to beg them. I don't have to to berate them. I don't have to to plead with them. I don't have to pull it out of them. And I might add, I don't have to preach to them about this and bang the pulpit and say, you folks aren't demonstrating Christian love like you ought to. It flows so naturally, so eagerly, that there's no question that it is a manifestation of God's grace in hearts. That's what I'm thankful that we can report in our church. And I'm not saying that that is a description of every single member of the church, but it certainly characterizes the life of our church together, and it's noticeable. A lot of people notice it and comment on it and thank God for it, just like Paul is for the Thessalonian believers. So there's a trio of Christian virtues here, faith, love, and hope. I haven't said much about hope, but the hope is a, a buoyant confidence about the future regardless of what's going on in the present, whether it's encouraging or not, but a buoyant confidence in the future because God has promised a, a great future, a great time to come for all of God's people, and that fills our hearts with hope. And so Paul is filled with thanksgiving because he sees the evidence of God's grace present in the lives of these people. These are not people with an empty profession but no true conversion. These are not people who are playing church but don't really have the mind of Christ. These are people who are demonstrating a great deal of Christian virtues in their lives for which Paul gives thanks. Until next week, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace. <music>